It is here, you guys. It is Penn State week. Maybe the most unique Auburn football matchup in the history of the program. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about matchups for the game. We'll talk about whether or not maybe this is Tank Bixby's Heisman breakout game. Uh, you know, who knows? It, look, we're going to look at the last two games for each team. We're going to decipher what we can, break it down, talk about matchups, all that good stuff um, right here coming up on the Auburn Football Podcast. All right, we have a ton of ton of stuff to get to here, so let's um, let's jump right into it. Um, I've got you know a, a few different ways to break this game down. Uh, obviously, we'll use you know stuff I've seen from the past two Auburn games, stuff I've seen from the past two Penn State games, statistics a little bit, um, and then you know what the eye test says. I think is going to happen on Saturday. So the first thing I wanted to kind of touch on is. You know, I, I mentioned in the in the opening, uh, this might be the most unique, so not the biggest game in Auburn history, but the most unique game in Auburn history. And the reason is, Auburn and Penn State have played two times in the history of college football. All right, so I know one time was when I was alive, I think like 2001 bowl game or something like that. I don't even know when the time before that was. Um and I don't even know if it was, you know, on one of the two uh, college's campuses. But now that it's it's recent football, it's, you know, this is this era of college football is unlike anything, you know, college football has ever seen, obviously, for a lot of different reasons. TV is probably the biggest one. Uh, but what has developed at Penn State as far as the wideout goes, uh, the primetime kickoff, college game day, uh, two ranked teams, undefeated teams even though it's early um, this is I do believe perhaps the most unique Auburn football game in the history of the program for all those reasons it's it's an away game at Penn State a team that they they haven't played a lot but the funny thing is a team that you know I feel like both programs really mirror each other in a lot of different ways and we'll talk about that in just a second but um, of course the whiteout how unique of it by far I think the most you know uh, encapsulating of the energy of college football as far as environment fanfare uh, all you know all that kind of stuff yeah I think it's probably the most yeah unique and one of a kind once in a lifetime experiences to to, to catch a game up there in that setting um, so I'm going. I had to do it. I had to buy tickets. I couldn't help myself. Uh, I, I really can't wait. Of course, uh, I'll have a podcast sometime next week to catch up and just kind of review uh, not only the game, but just you know how, how the experience was, etc. Uh, so very excited about that. But I really do think um, they're really, I don't know that we can look back and point to another, another matchup that would be as unique as this one. Um, there's been bigger games, you know, going to the Iron Bowl uh, 2010 or any other, you know, undefeated top five matchups that we've ever had in program history. Uh, quite a few lately, you know. Um, but as far as the uniqueness, out of conference, Big Ten, you know, a team that we haven't played very often at all in the, in the wideout and college game day, primetime, all that, it really is, I think, the most unique matchup in Auburn's history. And so what an exciting time for us to be able to watch it whether it's on TV or in person. And, uh, you know, 
let's talk about what I think is going to happen. Um, of course, I'm a Barner, so I'm trying to remove as much bias as possible, but that's easier said than done. I came into um, not only this season, but even especially after our Akron game and after their game versus Wisconsin, like, wow, okay, we, we really should be able to go up there and handle business. Um, the caveat with that was I also kind of thought that our second game against Alabama State, 11 a.m. kickoff, perhaps looking forward to next week. Um, and also just, you know, you know, COVID aside, you know that typically you're going to try to retain, you know, your guys, the guys that you know can perform a little bit uh, the week before a big matchup like that. So you saw the Javaris Johnsons out, uh, Sean Shivers, perhaps he had COVID, who knows, uh, Roe Torrance, um, Jalen Simpson. I mean, guys that are, you know, going to matter. Um, I think I said Javaris Johnson, but guys that are really going to matter uh, this week against Penn State not playing last week. So, uh, you know, it, it comes with it. Sleepy sleepy morning kickoff, all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that game because I actually don't think it was as bad as I initially thought, especially from the quarterback play's perspective. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the funny thing is, is, with watching both teams, Auburn's uh, Akron and Alabama State, and of course Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ball State, uh, there are a ton of similarities. So let's talk about that a little bit. Here, here's what I've seen from both teams so far. All right, so just just kind of uh, singling out Auburn here for the moment. Bo, all right, he has been right most of the time. He really has. Um, and of course, look. Anybody can look at the Akron game and, and go, yeah, 20 of 22, he was he was right most of the time. Um, and even he really only had one incompletion. The other one was a drop by Kobe Hudson on a like a three-by-one, four-perts down the seam, which is he scored on a two-by-two, two, so like a spread two-by-two two version of that same play, four-verts down the seam um, earlier in the game, ironically. So. But yeah, so really he was 21 and 22 as far as you know accuracy and decision making. Now, the ironic part about that is his first couple of throws were a little, you know, a little bit inaccurate. Um, he had a couple, he had like a hitch and a curl to Shed Jackson, and uh, Shed actually came up with some pretty good catches in that one. But of course, you know his statistics show that he was right most of the time against Akron. But even against Alabama State, um, you know he had a, a drop touchdown pass hit Kalen Newton right. I'm talking about right between the two and the five on his chest um, would have easily scored if catch if he caught that ball. So then, of course, that's more yards and another touchdown and a, uh, one fewer incompletion. Dimitri or Demetrius Robertson had a drop on a hitch um, to the outside where he kind of left his feet unnecessarily, and we'll talk about that in a second too. Um, and the ball went right through his hands. Uh, now. There were some things that Bo did in, against Alabama State that he didn't do against Akron that looked a little bit scary. Um, you know, one play in particular I'm thinking about, it was like a rollout. I think it was a design rollout um, to the kind of the, uh, you know, the TV camera side of the field here. And Tank uh, ran out to the flat. Would have been an easy completion. Who And that's the thing, too. And I think I'm sure the coaches hammer this home. But, you know, you get tanked the ball without somebody, like, right on him, that might turn into a touchdown even though it's a two-yard completion. So you, you've just got to take that. And, you know, look, against Alabama State, I, I don't even fault Bo necessarily for his decision. Basically what he did was 
he he jumped up in the air took a little bit of like a shoulder from an Alabama State defender right as he threw the ball um, so I don't even, I don't think either foot was on the ground as he ended up releasing the football threw it a pretty good ways downfield to Shed Jackson who ended up getting a passenger defensive passenger interference call so you know no harm done necessarily uh, or so to speak on on Bo's decision making however against Penn State you've just got to take the flat you know because what if you throw that down there and it's a pick and you know sp- speaking on Shed Jackson for instance we'll talk about the receivers but I mean he just you know he had two down the field plays specifically that I remember I think he only had two against Alabama State where he absolutely just didn't do anything to try to go get the football he had a deep defensive pass interference and the other pass was deflected um so you know you, you want to see more more from that but um so that was one decision that you know Bo was where I saw where I was like eh Bo you know don't don't get too crazy now um and then of course you know the kind of the strip strip fumble there um that was a big one not very good um we had a couple other times where you know he evacuated the pocket pretty quickly. There was one third down play where uh, Kobe Hudson won um, on the line of scrimmage versus uh, kind of versus a linebacker um, on a slant on a third down, and if Bo would have caught it in the gun and immediately released the football, it would have hit Kobe right there in the stomach, and then who knows? Again, I mean he was steps away from the linebacker at the point where the ball should have been caught thrown and caught so it's like at that point you get kobe hudson who's a decent athlete in open field against people who what i gotta give alabama state credit though their secondary tackled really really well and that's like tanking everybody but um either way you give somebody you know one of your offensive skill weapons a chance to have the football in the middle of the field with nobody really around them you've gotta you gotta just take that opportunity so i think you know um Bo may have been a little bit, you know, getting a little greedy, a little antsy, because I know, like, you know, his first pass attempt was an incompletion, right? I think his first maybe two, two or maybe three passes were incompletions. So, you know, after the game he had the week before, and he, he came out and said that his season goal is like 85% completion percentage on the, you know, for the entire season. So, you know, that kind of stuff, it gets in your head. It shouldn't, but it does. And he may have been pressing a little bit to try to make some plays. So, um but, you know, he had a couple of good touchdown uh, passes there to Demetrius Robinson, Robertson. And, um, you know, it, again, for the most part, what I'm saying is is that Bo has been right most of the time. He had maybe two or three decisions against Alabama State that, you know, weren't correct. But other than that, man, I mean, he was, he was right. And he dealt with a lot of drops, and he dealt with receivers that weren't, you know, creating separation, getting open against Alabama State. So, um that might be the next thing to talk about, which is the receivers. I, I you know, my f- first podcast for this season, the season one look ahead uh, before we played Akron, that was one thing that I talked about. You know, the, the depth chart was released and it was Shedrick Jackson, Javaris Johnson, and Demetrius Robert- Robertson. I don't know why I can't say his name. Demetrius Robertson. Um, and I, I basically said, you know, if I'm a defensive coordinator, that doesn't intimidate me. You know, that doesn't scare me. Now, Javaris Johnson, again, I've always been a big fan of his. Um, in 2019, I was making podcasts, and I highlighted him as a guy who I thought could really help us, if not that year later down the road, and his time has come. So I think he's really, really good. He's super small, and he's not like an absolute burner, right? So he'll get open. He'll kind of be that Ryan Davis-type 
type deal. And he can he can bust the top off a little bit. He's faster than I think people. You know, he's not Ryan Davis. He's faster than Ryan Davis, and as far as his long speed goes. Um, having said that, when you think about him, Shedrick Jackson, Demetrius Robertson, well, Demetrius, you know, he he left his feet unnecessarily on the hitch that he dropped. He left his feet unnecessarily on the kind of rub skinny post that he converted for a first down on third down against Alabama State. He kind of left his feet, caught in the stomach, you know, and then and then continued on. That's that's representative to me of a receiver that's not natural or at least super comfortable with his hands. And that's that's what I see when I watch him play is somebody who's not super comfortable as a as a pure receiver he's he's got a lot of athletic traits he's fast and all that kind of stuff and it looks like he catches the ball better when it's like down the field um because he had a couple of touchdowns on plays like that but you know the 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 balls that are hard to catch are the slants across the middle where you got to pluck it you know with your hands and the ball is coming with some speed and it's you know there might be a linebacker in there that you haven't seen you know um those are the ones that are hard to catch or even like the hitch route or a curl coming back to the ball. Um, you know, th those are the ones that are hard to catch. And so that's kind of what I've seen from him. Shedrick Jackson, he's made some pretty good catches against Akron on curls. And some of those, some of those plays that are, that I just said are a little bit harder. Um, he had that, you know, post that he caught, but I mean, he had a couple of chances down the field against Alabama state and, and didn't do anything. Um, so, you know, you've got guys like Kobe Hudson, you've got guys like Zevion Capers, Elijah Canyon, um, Malcolm Johnson, who had a touchdown. And Tavares Dawson is the guy that I wish, you know, I don't know, it's probably COVID. I don't know. Um, but that's the guy. I, I just think he would be explosive, man. Like kind of the Javaris Johnson, but with a little more pop, a little more juice. Um, that's the guy I would love to see slowly get to get some rotation work there. But you know, I just the receivers, they just haven't been super impressive to me. Um, it's been a little bit of like what I expected, uh, you know, guys that probably won't be able to create the most separation. Um, you know, I mean, Kalen Newton, I don't even know why he was playing on Saturday. I know Javaris Johnson was out, but, you know, that was disappointing. Um, you know, that drop, it was it was terrible. So, you know, I think this, this game against Penn State is going to be um, – you know, games like this will expose any weaknesses you have. And so that's one thing I'm going to be looking at. And I'm sure, look, Harson's a smart dude. Bobo, Bobo's a smart dude. I'm sure Cornelius Williams is a smart dude. They're, you know, <laughs> they're aware of whatever their situation truly is. All I can do is look on Saturdays, see how they, you know, produce or whatever, and kind of make my own determination. But they have a good understanding of, you know, what they have or what they don't have. And I'm sure they will be, you know, doing their best to scheme for or around, um, you know, whatever they have in the receiver room for this Saturday. But that's what I've seen so far, receivers lacking a little bit. Uh, as far as offensive line, it's definitely been a lot better, uh, specifically in the run game. You know, I saw on Saturday when we played Alabama State, you know, again, um, a simple little tackle-in stunt, little twist, and look, I don't know whose fault it is, but, you know, it ends up being Nick Brahms who – sees the guy late diving back in the a, a gap from the outside and he he sees him too late he, he kind of reaches over there i think he may have got called for holding but he really didn't get a, a, a good like a good chunk of the guy um and it of course forces bo nicks out of the pocket etc cetera, etc cetera. same old song song and dance there but um other than that 
the offensive line to me has actually looked really good. Um, pass pro has been better. Uh, but, you know, one thing we talked about too is syncing up the pass protection with, you know, the drops or the, you know, I mean, yeah, the drops pretty much, whether it's a play action or a quick or whatever, the pass protection needs to be synced up with whatever we're doing, whatever operation is going on in the backfield. It looks like that's been tied up a lot, which, you know, I kind of figured it would be with, with Bobo and, um, and Will Friends. So, I think I think that's been better. It's going to be interesting, um, and we'll talk more about specific matchups. But you know, uh, Penn State. It's again, we'll talk more about it. But Penn State's defense is built a lot like Auburn's. Their edge guys are really really good, seventeen and forty. Um, and so it'll be their edge guys versus our tackles. It's going to be and it's going to end up being our edge guys versus their tackles as well. It's going to be the biggest uh, biggest matchups probably. But so it'll be interesting to see how Brodeur's Hams, Austin Troxel. You know, those are the guys that are furthest away from the center, furthest away from the quarterback as far as communication and all that different kind of stuff. Um, as far as, you know, knowing when the ball is snapped, making sure you're not late because, you know, sometimes that edge defender can get a good jump and then, you know, you know what happens after that. So, um, but so far, I think the, the offensive line has shown a lot of improvement. Of course, on defense for Auburn, um, the edge position has been super productive. You've got, you know, TD, who I know it's like defensive end, whatever, but TD and Derek Hall basically as your as your outside guys. Romello Height has looked really, really good. Uh, Leota has you know done what he does. He's he's kind of just a productive guy, even though he's not the most like you know traits guy. Um, one thing I literally it just popped in my head, and I haven't even thought about it, is I haven't seen Caleb Johnson. So I don't even know. I don't even know if he's still on the team, but I haven't seen him at all. I don't think. Um, I'd love to see, you know, some Dylan Brooks at some point. I think that would be a lot of fun. But uh, the edge has been really, really good, very productive. TD Moultrie has the most uh, tackles for loss and sacks on the team right now. you got to feel good about him. Birmingham guy, senior, all that kind of stuff. So that's been good. The edge has been really good. Um, inside linebacker, of course, plus, plus. I mean, just very, very good. Um, I will say this. As much as we kind of praise Owen Popo, and we all know he's a freak and athletic and that, he, he misses some stuff sometimes. So, um Hopefully, after a few, a couple of weeks here of film, um, he'll kind of clean some of that up. Whether it's you know rushing the quarterback and missing him, or um, just just little things that I notice he misses sometimes. And last year I saw it a lot, but I kind of thought it's because you know he was getting worked up by the offensive line because we didn't have any guys on the inside, which we'll talk about that as well. But inside linebacker's been really good. Chandler Wooten's been good. Wesley Steiner's made some plays, so kind of knew that coming in but they've been really good secondary has played conservative so far um we've been kind of allowing a lot of completions you know um akron's backup was 13 to 13 when he came in etc etc um but you know i'm just gonna be interested to see if that kind of continues this saturday um you know penn state they're they're you know really the only reason they won the wisconsin game is because they had a couple of big big shots down the field where um I mean, really, there was just busted assignments by Wisconsin, you know, really the safeties. And, you know, they had Jahan Dotson a couple of times deep down the field, and that really helped Penn State out. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting because it seems like we've kind of built out our secondary, at least kind of strategically the first two games, to say, hey, look, man, if you want to complete this, you know, two-yard, three-yard pass, we'll come up tackle, and you're, not, you're just not going to do that the whole game. You're not going to be patient enough or whatever. We're just not going to let you hit one over the top and get a cheap, cheap seven on us. Um, so you know, it seems like that's probably a decent strategy against Penn State. It's like, all right, you know, your quarterback he he may not be super patient, 
Um, you know, he's looking for that deep ball to Jahan Dotson or Parker Washington or whoever. And so we're just going to make you, like, you know, stay within the offense and, and go from there. So I don't know. I You know, it's not fun watching Akron and Alabama State complete these passes in the flat or, like, even, you know, curls and hitches to the outside or slants to these receivers. And even sometimes, like, our, our DBs were covering them pretty well and they still completed it. So it's not fun watching that, um, even though I know, you know, there's they've only given up 10 points between the two games. But it's just going to be interesting. I mean, you know um, – We'll talk more about that in a second, but it's just going to be interesting. Our secondary looks like they've played conservative so far, and I just wonder if they're going to kind of continue that, keep the you know keep the top on the defense, or if they're going to ratchet it up, or maybe they're, they'll do a little bit of both. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, as far as Penn State, what I've seen so far, they got some guys on defense that absolutely just they flash, right? So <clears throat> number one, I think that's Brisker. That's their safety. Obviously, he's he's all over the place. He'll be a first round pick. Uh, number 17 and number 40. Number 17 looks like he's more of their, like, true edge guy, so kind of like um, Derek Hall. And then they actually they, they, they look like they use number 40 a little bit like TD Moultrie because he'll play some edge. I think he had, like, I think he's the one who had the one-handed interception, and he may have returned it for a touchdown against Ball State, but it was a, a hell of a play. Um, but... Um, number 40 they'll do some different stuff with him he's actually listed as like their backup uh inside linebacker as well and so if you've paid attention you've seen td moultrie sometimes on pressure packages like on third down we'll, we'll almost go to like a as far as alignment goes it's like a three two six but as far as personnel goes it's really like a one five six because we basically have a, a down lineman and then you know, well, let me see. That's too many people, isn't it? Yeah, one four six is basically what it kind of comes down to. So you kind of have a guy head up the center, and you have two guys uh, in the like kind of a the the B gap basically, and they're walk up linebackers. Well, one of those guys is TD Moultrie, and so they they're they're moving him around a little bit, and it looks like that's kind of what uh, this number forty Jesse Lukita guy he does with Penn State. He rushes the passer. He's got tackles for loss. Uh, same thing with number 17, Arnold Ebikite, something like that. But those are kind of their their pass rusher guys. They're, I would just say they're tackles, tackles for loss guys. Um, so look for those guys. Um, of course, number 12, Brandon Smith, he's a five-star recruit. Uh, he's leading them in tackles. He's in the middle there, middle linebacker. They have him listed as well, but he's, you know, it's kind of like Zacoby and Owen. Um, he's really, really good. Uh, he's got good size. I think he's like 6'4 or 6'3, 240. Um, runs and makes plays he's really really good so um other than that um number 12 does good or yeah number 12 is brandon smith so 13 brooks ellis or ellis brooks excuse me he's in there with him as well so it's kind of like again zacoby and owen they they do a pretty good job there in the middle um those guys make their defense you know i would say way above average um I think their defense and our defense is similar in a lot of ways. Uh, we'll talk about that specifically in a second. But those four guys, just watch out for them on Saturday. Number one, Brisker, number 17, number 40, um, and number 12. Just watch out for those guys. They're really good. Um, so something else I've seen from Penn State, decent skill talent. So, you know, you think about the guys who make plays um, on offense specifically, obviously you've got the two receivers, number five, number three, Dotson and Washington. They've got a couple of running backs that are pretty good, Noah Kane and Kayvon Lee. Kayvon Lee looks actually a little bit better than Noah Kane. I think Noah Kane was probably a little bit more of the, you know, highly touted guy coming in, but 
Kayvon Lee's done some good stuff. So you've got those guys. You've got some tight ends that are decent. So they have decent skill talent. Um, you know, really a lot like us. I don't, you know, if I watched us play, I would see Cedric Jackson, Demetrius Robertson, you know, from this receiver position, that's pretty much it. I would see a tight end and Shanker that has done some things, but I would see Tank and I would see Jarquez and I would go, okay, their running backs are studs. You know, that's probably what I would say from Penn State. So, but pretty similar, really. They've got a couple of receivers. They've got a couple of running backs um, that are, you know, pretty good. Nothing crazy, though. Um, as far as the quarterback, Sean Clifford, he has the ability <laughs> to stay within the offense. He doesn't want to, but he has the ability to. He's, he's shown it. You know, one thing Wisconsin did is they were just trying to take that stuff away. They were like, dude, we're not going to let you just, you know, throw these little dinkers out here. And, and you know, they just took it away. Or let me say it this way. They did a really good job of taking away his first read. Um, and that's where he would get into trouble, you know, hold the ball too long, bring his eyes down, get sacked or, you know, whatever. Um, but he has the ability to stay with an offense. I've seen him do it. I saw him do it some against Wisconsin when he got kind of settled down. I saw him do it against Ball State, obviously. Um, so he has the ability to do that. And then like Bo, when he, when he gets off script, well, I say he gets into trouble, but a lot of times it can be either or. He can make a play. Sean Clifford can make a play with his feet, absolutely. Um, but usually when trouble comes is when they go off script. You know, when the first read breaks down, maybe the second read eyes down and they try to do too much, and then here comes trouble, right? So um, that's what I see from Sean Clifford. He has the ability to stay within the offense. Um, he has, you know, playmaking ability with his legs, but a lot of times when there is trouble, it's because he goes off script, tries to do too much, all right? So that's really what I've seen um, just from these first two weeks of the season from both teams. All right. In a second, we're going to talk about the keys to the game. And this is, you know, this is where everything kind of comes together. And obviously this will give, you know, you guys the indication of which way I'm leaning, um, for this game. All right. So keys to the game. And I mean, again, Going through these keys, there, it, there's a lot of, to me, when you break down games, there really is a lot of like nuance and uh, subtleties. And I think that's why I like football so much. But, um, you know, one key is the Auburn running back rotation. So basically what I mean is, is Sean Shiver is going to be available. Um, if Auburn goes up with Tank and Jarquez and Sean Jackson, is that, you know, is that a death nail in the coffin? I don't, I don't even know if that's a saying, but basically is that going to screw them up is that going to make it you know where they can't win i don't know i mean jarquez obviously has shown that he's got some talent uh sean jackson i like a lot but it's just man the first time traveling right as a new team as a true freshman for both of those guys um all the stuff that kind of surrounds the external factors that surround all this and being in in a hostile environment i mean you know you would prefer to have tank and shivers and those other guys so It'll be really interesting to see that. I, I mean, it wouldn't help if we didn't have Shivers. So um, I know he's going to do everything he can to get back. Everybody's going to do everything they can to get him back. I'm going to hope he gets back because I think it's going to be very important to have him, um, not only just from the leadership and, this, and, you know, the seniority and all that kind of stuff, because um, apparently he's like a really, you know, really important leader for the team, but also just like in the game. I mean, he's good. Sean Shivers is good, and people still disrespect like like who he is for the team as a running back he's not a gimmick gadget play guy i know he only got a couple of touches against akron but you can hand him the ball in any of the same situations that you can hand the ball to tank or jarquez or anything else um 
So I, I think we need him. I think he needs to be there. So hopefully he's there. If not, doesn't mean we're going to lose automatically, but it's it's just going to be a little bit harder because um, I, I do think this is going to be a four-quarter game. Um, and you're going to need guys that have experience in that fourth quarter to be able to make plays for you, I think. So that'll be interesting. Um, in general, AU communication, right? So this is just across the board communication. Um, I mean, even, you know, one thing I like about Harson, he's very smart, he's very thoughtful, and he gives you like the information about really what he's thinking. And, you know, this week for him, he talked a lot about. You know, he always talks about preparation, but he talked about, look, I mean, you know, we've got travel, so we've got itineraries, you know, the, the, the plane or the bus might be late or, you know, you get there and the rooms are wrong. And, you know, he obviously he's he's had a lot of experience doing this kind of stuff. Right now, hopefully our director of football operations and our you know football program can make it a way better experience than any road experience he had at Boise. Of course, he did coach at Texas as well. But, you know, some of that stuff does happen no matter what program you're at. So, you know, it's it's just cool that he 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 is already thinking about that kind of stuff because when you kind of prepare for things to not necessarily go your way completely, then when they don't go your way, you're kind of prepared for it. So, um, but going back to communication, it's it's communication through all that process, like you know, making sure that everybody gets the text messages and the printed out you know laminated itineraries where they they tell them you know, when, where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there for, you know, whether they get there Thursday or Friday, Saturday, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, Saturday, man, it's primetime kick. So you've got a lot of time Saturday. Um, so communication during, during that time to prepare to the game. And then obviously the game communication between coaches in a loud environment, uh, communication, obviously between players, um, communication as far as how they get the plays in from the sideline you know, to bow or to the defense, all that kind of stuff. This is still a new operation and you're taking this into an area where, you know, they haven't been yet together as a unit. So it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, and I think specifically because Harson is such kind of a, a nitpicky detailed like preparation guy, it's going to be very interesting to see how well they execute or how, how well their plan, um, can operate in the environment that, that they're going to be in on Saturday it's going to be really fun, uh, you know, for me to, to try to see that in the stadium. Um, so I think another key, uh, we talked a little bit about this, Penn State offensive tackles, and really you could say Auburn's offensive tackles as well, uh, against the edge position from the from the other, the other team. So Penn State's offensive tackles, you know, Wisconsin's guys uh, beat up uh, Penn State's offensive tackles. Even Ball State did a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, how well Derek Hall, T.D. Moultrie, Romello Height, how they can get, you know, pressure on Sean Clifford from the edge position, whether that's, you know, inside move, bull rush, you know, straight arm, or just, you know, bending around the edge and, and, and making him step up in the pocket and then hoping that there's guys going to be there on the interior. Um, and then same really for Auburn. We talked about it. Broderius Ham, Austin Troxel, um, you know, 17 and 40. Those guys can come off the edge, you know, together just like, TD and, and Derek Hall, um, and that crowd's going to be so loud uh, earlier in the game. So it's just going to be interesting to see whose offensive tackles can do a better job against the opposing, you know, edge rush. Um, another key to the game, 
can number five and number three win against our cornerback so you know five and three that's Dotson and Washington and that's been you know, that's really been the production from their receiver position that's a that's a little bit of a big difference as far as when you look at st- statistically the production between the two teams um a, a decent amount of similarities we've run the ball a lot more than they have um but from their receiver room they they really only have two guys that have produced you know meaningfully and that's Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson when you look at Auburn's it's you know divvied up between Shedrick and Shanker and Demetrius Robinson now he leads the team in you know touchdown receptions obviously with two um Javaris Johnson obviously didn't play in the in the second game but he had three receptions in the first game so it's a little bit more you know I think and Kobe Hudson even um from the Auburn perspective, I think if you were looking at them from Penn State's view, it'd be like, okay, you know, really they have a lot of different guys they can go to. Maybe not one person that scares us to death, but they have a lot of different person people that they can go to. Um, so it'll be interesting just to see all that, how that shakes out. Like, do, do we, does Roger McCreary follow Jahan Dotson? Um, or are we just good with, you know, whichever one of our guys that's matched up with him at the time? Um, do they kind of decide to do the same thing with, you know, Joey, Joey Porter Jr.? Um, or any of their guys, do they want to shadow some? I don't know why they would, but do they want to like follow Robertson or Jackson or you know whatever? Do they think they're you know that type of guy? So it'll be interesting to see that. It'll be, but just in general, it'll be interesting to see you know Dotson and um, and Washington. How do they compete with you know Pritchett, McCreary, um, if Simpson's back, Torrance, you know those guys? Um, kind of going along with that. Will our safeties be caught, you know, with their pants down? Will they be caught out of position at some point? I, I expect to see that. I hate, I mean, I hate that because, you know, Smoke is just, everybody likes his name and he's a cool looking dude. He's got swag and he, he, he comes up and hits people and that kind of thing. But throughout his career, I mean, he is just, he's been exposed in the passing game, whether it be, you know, trying to cover people man to man or um, just, just being, you know, being a little greedy with his with his eyes or whatever in zone coverage, um, you know. Now he's made some plays too. Now I mean he's you know he's got what two pick sixes uh, minimum. So it's just going to be interesting to see if um, you know basically what Penn State did against Wisconsin if they get if they get some of that going against us. Um, and, and and I would imagine Derek Mason is going to do because he the safeties is you know that's that's his deal. Um, we've seen. Zion Puckett, you know, he kind of swapped in for for Bidaris Knight, and Bidaris Knight didn't have a great game against Akron. Uh, so it's just going to be interesting. You know, I think our corners are really good, in my opinion, um, even though they haven't been, like, completely locked down so far. But I think they're really good. Our safeties are the thing, at least in the passing game, that's like, all right, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but, you know, I think Donovan Kaufman you feel pretty good about, and, of course, he plays a lot more nickel. Um Zion Puckett, I mean, he looks good. Uh, I know he tackles well. So it'll just be interesting to see if they get caught out position, you know, if it's quarters and the safety cheats on the dig and then they hit the post behind them. Or, you know, that's kind of the thing that I've seen from Penn State that they that they really like to do is uh, get the safeties cheating up and then hit one hit one behind them once, once they cheat up too much. So it'll be interesting. Um, the second to last key to the game, I know there's a lot of keys, but, I mean, it, it, there's a lot going on. This to me might be, it might be the number one key. Um, both interior defensive linemen, so basically, you know, the guys that play on the inside for both defenses, they just don't 
look that good. Okay, and, and I know for Auburn, you know, you talk about guys like Colby Wooden. And they, everybody's been saying Wooden, so I guess it's Colby Wooden. But that uh, – Wooden sounds better to me. But anyway, Colby Wooden um, and Marcus Harris. Colby Wooden is like – you know, one of our best one of our best players, but he's what two eighty. Marcus Harris is two eighty, and we've been running a lot of two four five. It's been those two guys, and then you know TD and Derek Hall on the outside. Well, we're not going to stop them running the ball with that. There's just no way in hell that that's going to happen. And then you start talking about the Tony Fairs of the world, the Marquise Burks of the world, which Marquise Burks ironically is leading the team and or tied for the. He's got two sacks. Him and TD Moultrie have two sacks, so he's actually leading the team in sacks, which is interesting, but. Um, you know, and then and then their guys, you know, PJ Mustafer, Hakeem Beeman, all these, you know, these guys, Fred Hansard and Derek Tangelo, dude, their their defensive tackles, the guys on the in, in, interior of that defensive line have not been good. They got blown up by Wisconsin. They were running the ball at will. Uh, ball State didn't have a lot of trouble with them. So, you know, I look at Keandre Jones, Nick Brahms, and Brandon Council on our side. We should absolutely, we should absolutely handle those dudes. Um, and honestly, if I was Penn State, I'd be looking at us saying our offensive line should should handle their dudes too. So I, I think that's going to be huge, man. I think it's going to be because the thing is, is it's not just about you know if defensive linemen get blocked and moved and all that kind of stuff, but it's like do your do your linebackers get so covered up because the defensive line's not, you know, maintaining double teams and that kind of thing, where the guards and the tackles and the centers, they work up to your linebackers. Now they can't make plays, you know. Um, so for us, obviously, that's Owen and Kobe. For them, it's their two guys, Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith. Um, so it's not necessarily all about the production of the defensive tackles, but, you know, whether whether they can maintain, you know, their integrity on that, on that line and so that the the guys behind them, the linebackers, can go make plays. It's going to be really, really important uh, for both teams. So that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, but as always, everything's about the quarterbacks, right? So if we're talking about keys to the game, the number one key to the game, and I, I do think this is the number one key to the game, it's going to be which quarterback can stay patient. All right? Talked about it a little bit. Um, if this is going to be a four-quarter game, Penn State's already played one. Auburn has not. All right. Now, Bo Nix has experience. Sean Clifford has a lot of experience beyond this season as well. Um, which quarterback can throw the ball away on third down? Which quarterback can take a sack, you know, in the second quarter instead of throwing a pick that either turns into a pick six or, or you know, sets up the other team for a, for a touchdown, right? Um, back in my day, it was end every drive with a kick. And I think Harson said that, which I mean, that's now in 2021, that's super old school. But I mean, it's it's right. Every drive needs to end in a field goal attempt, uh, extra point attempt, or a punt. If you do that, generally you're going to be all right. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just talking about taking care of the football, being smart. Um, I think a lot of a lot of as far as that that quarterback staying patient, which team can set themselves up with third and shorts and instead of third and mediums, third and long. So you're talking about running the football or, or completing those first down passes, not having receivers drop passes or receivers get open. You know what I mean? Um, the quarterback making the right decision on first and second down to set them up for a third and manageable. It's going to come down to all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you strip that stuff away. There's going to be third and eights. There's going to be third and tens, third and twelves for both teams at some point You know, throughout the game if it's a four-quarter game. 
which quarterback can understand that they don't have to make that play on that down, and they can they can take a sack, they can throw the ball away, they can punt it, they can come back on their next drive and try to execute better on first and second down. Um, I really think whatever team, I mean, unless it's a blowout, I don't really see a blowout happening, but whatever team's quarterback does a better job of that. Um, and again, it's going to come down to first and second down execution, all that kind of stuff. But in those moments, which quarterback can just not, you know, give up a big play to the other defense, that's going to be, that's going to be the key. I think if we look back and we say, Hey, you know, Sean Clifford gave us, you know, four big plays on defense, Bo Nix only gave them two. I bet, I bet we win. And if it's flipped, I bet they win. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if that's, if that's as simple as it gets. Um, again, I'll come back and, and kind of review everything. It's going to be crazy. I'm, uh, I'm literally recording this and then I'm driving up to Nashville for work for a few days. And then I'm going up to, to Penn state on Friday. It's going to be like a 15 hour drive. It's going to be crazy. And then game day in the morning on Saturday morning, go down to the bars downtown and then, uh, make the one and a half mile or so walk to the, to Beaver stadium and, and experience that. So, um, and then try to drop back as far as I can on Sunday, not going to make it back. So we'll probably have to stay in Tennessee or something on Sunday night, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be crazy. Um, but I mean, once in a lifetime experience, I really can't wait. And, uh, and I'll be back, like I said, for the review, but as far as my prediction, if I had to give one, I'm going to be honest. It feels, it feels like I can see, you know, as, as the game goes along, I can see us just not being able to do what we need to do specifically on offense, you know, to make those, those, those winning plays, um, and the crowd and all that kind of stuff. I can see that happening. I can see Penn state coming in with a lot of fire and, and just being tough and maybe them, them getting out of there with a win. Um, at the end of the day, I, I really, even though this is really not what I touched on in our keys, if we can just lean on Tank, if, if Tank Bigsby can go 200 all-purpose yards, maybe has 30 to 50 receiving, um, and you know 150 or so on the ground, if it's that kind of game, if he just blows up, I mean, this could be the start of his Heisman campaign, really. Um, and that's that's what I've talked to some of my buddies about. It's like if we go up there and Tank goes over 200 and we win, I mean, this is national. There's no other games on at this time that are meaningful. It's the wideout is Penn State. If, if Tank Bigsby shows what he can do on this stage against that team, then, then you know, I mean, it's it's it could be a really fun rest of the season. So um, I'm just going to say that that happens. I'm going to say that, you know, Bo, Bo takes care of the ball, does what he's supposed to do, because we don't need to rely on the receivers. And I know Penn State's going to probably load the box because of that and all that kind of stuff. But Tank, we can find ways, Bobo can find ways to get his running back, the Todd Gurley's and all this kind of stuff. He can find ways to get his running back the ball um, without having the defense be able to key in completely on him. I'm, I'm just going to just have faith in that. So Penn State or uh, Tank, Tank, you know, carries us on offense. The defense does what they're supposed to do. And let's just say um, 21-17, uh, 21-17 Tigers. How about that? So both teams have three scores, but ours are touchdowns, and they have one field goal. Um, but I, I am expecting a four-quarter game. I think it's going to be nuts. Um, and, you know, look, at the end of the day, even if we lose, as long as we compete, and I think any Harson coach team you're going to have is going gonna to go up there and compete 
against anybody. Um, as long as we compete and we play relatively clean and we and we have a plan and we try to execute and we, and we do decent, I'm going to be super happy either way. Um, I think if we do that, we'll probably win. Um, but, you know, I'm just I'm just looking for clean, you know, decently clean football, good competition and a really crazy atmosphere. So I think we'll have that. Um, but anyway, I appreciate you guys listening as always, um, you know, whatever um, platform you, you know, you find this. If you like subscribe or if you share it with people or if you support in any way, it's always appreciated. Um, I'm going to do, you know, as many of these as I can throughout the season. Uh, it's always fun for me. It's going to be something that I'm going to do anyway. I'm going to look up these stats. I'm going to watch game film and, you know, like make analysis anyway. So might as well share it with anybody else who, who wants to hear it. So, um, again, just really excited. I'll be back next week. And uh, War Damn Eagle.